Welcome back to another installment of Inside BT. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Alyssa Nguyen, the Director of Design Nation, Business Today's annual design conference. Alyssa led Business Today's first ever digital conference in her more than 50 years of operation. In today's interview, we're breaking down how she reacted to the initial news of going digital and how she was able to pivot to hosting a digital conference for over 100 students around the world. My name is Alyssa, and I'm a rising senior at Princeton University. I'm an English major in addition to doing design and doing Asian American studies. I really got involved with DN through another program of Business Today, which is called the Corporate Contacts Program. And I really wanted to, I guess, advance my speaking skills. I really wanted to get exposure to more of the business side of things just because being a liberal arts major, I really was in the more theoretical side, the classic side, and I wanted some more real-world experience, and so I came into BT through the Corporate Contacts Program, saw what DN was about, fell absolutely in love, and then applied to be the director the following year. Awesome. So I think after that, it would be great if you could just talk about your plans or expectations maybe going into the spring before everything happened. I really started planning... DN right after the corporate contacts program ended, which was in 2019. And I had really big plans. I wanted a really amazing venue. I knew I wanted to bring 100 students. I wanted students from the West Coast. I really worked really hard to fundraise as much as I could during my corporate contacts period so that I could create a really awesome in-person conference. I worked really hard to connect with a lot of really diverse speakers and try to bring a lot of really diverse students and applicants to the conference, whether that be like racially, like socioeconomically, academically, everything. And I was looking forward to having all of that come together and everyone meet in this really amazing spot in New York. Unfortunately, it didn't come to fruition, but I had really high expectations for kind of the way that all the dots were going to connect. I wanted it to be kind of like the capstone year for DM because it is so new. I really wanted it to like go out with a bang and I had a lot of really high hopes for it initially. Going into March, I remember we were discussing DN during the trustee call and we proved a lot of its viability given that this is so early in its days as a conference. But then we heard that COVID was happening. There were cases jumping in New York. School was kind of closing down. I guess, what was your initial reaction as we entered the month of March and you had heard that we would no longer be able to do DN in person? Yeah, I honestly, to be quite frank, I was really crushed because for almost nine months at that point, I had envisioned this very clear idea of what DN was going to look like. I had basically everything already kind of set, all the plans were in motion. And so I was feeling super overwhelmed. I was like, how are we going to make this work? Are people still going to want to come? I felt like the rug had been pulled under me and I was just honestly really devastated and I wasn't necessarily having the best outlook towards the future. I was just kind of like, wow, it's over, it's gone. There's nothing to do now except for just be sad about it. Yeah, I definitely remember that too. You know, it's a really, really challenging time overcoming the notion that you had these expectations and they didn't work out. 
But I do want to talk about moving to the digital format too, because I did think you and your team pulled off an amazing conference and one of the first digital conferences for BT. What was the process, I guess, going into spring break and rethinking the conference? How did you discuss it with your team? How did you receive feedback, etc.? Yeah, so we really had to do a complete 180 in a really short amount of time. I had to rely a lot on the BT network. We have a fantastic alumni and trustees who are in the digital space. We have a trustee who you know works with Masterclass. We have a lot of trustees and alumni who go to digital conferences because of their jobs. And so we relied a lot on that network to get feedback on what they like about certain conferences, what they don't like. And then I also just tried to speak with my team about like, what are you guys going to do from home knowing that we still have half of the semester to try and do academically like how do we fit everything in and it was really a lot of collaboration on my part it was really just trying to envision myself in the seat of an attendee who was really excited to fly into New York and shake hands with all of these amazing executives I tried to think about what would be at least half satisfactory for them what would they feel okay with doing like what would make them want to stay in the program and so it was really a lot of guesswork because you know bt obviously has never done a digital conference before i'd never attended a digital conference neither had anyone on my team and so it was a lot of imagination work a lot of discussions um it's really kind of just throwing things in the air and seeing what we thought would work but yeah it's a lot of teamwork a lot of well teamwork awesome I want to talk a bit about the applicant's experience because I do remember at the time, I think we had accepted everyone, but we were then able to expand the conference if I remember correctly too. Can you talk a little more about that? Because I know you mentioned accessibility was one of the big themes that you were aiming towards as the goal of your conference and how that panned out in a digital setting. Yeah, that's a great question. So. For my term, I really, really wanted to focus on, like you said, accessibility because design itself is a very sequestered industry. Design schools are very exclusive. Not a lot of high schools provide design education. And so I wanted to really give a lot of different kinds of students chances, especially first generation low income students. West Coast students really didn't benefit from last year's DN because of the budget. And so I made that a really, really first priority goal for me. And then, I mean, the upside of the silver lining with going digital was that because budget was no longer a boundary for us or a restriction for us, we could bring in an extra 25 students. So we ended up having 125 students accepted, which we never would be able to do with our budget with an in-person conference. And it also allowed me to increase the number of first-generation low-income students, underrepresented minority students, students from universities who maybe didn't give them the notice about DN in time for application because we did accept a second round. So it was awesome in a sense that having the digital conference allowed us to open a few more doors and put a few more seats at the table that we really haven't been able to do in the past with any other program. Yeah, that's super exciting to hear. Can you talk about how you shifted the programming online, maybe in terms of how it transitioned from an in-person structure to a digital structure? Because when we did shift it, you know, the conference became more of a longer opportunity and we were also considering factors like Zoom exhaustion. How did you think about structuring the conference in a digital environment? 
I really was trying to envision myself as an attendee. How many hours could I really sit in front of a computer versus, you know, in an actual in-person event? When would I want break? When am I going to stop listening? Also visioning, we have people in Pacific time, Eastern time, and everywhere in between. And trying to make sure that the time that we pick is appropriate for everybody. And so I really put myself in the position of kind of every attendee that we had. And I thought, realistically, I can only sit through two live events, but I can envision myself maybe watching a recording later that day that's not live that I can watch my own time. I also envisioned it's hard to kind of have the discipline to just sit down and watch all the recordings in two days. So I thought maybe spreading it out on long periods of time allows for more flexibility on the executive's part with the executive seminars, but also gives some breathing room and some time to digest the material for the attendees. And that's really kind of where my mind was at, trying to put the comfort with everyone in mind during this really uncomfortable time. And that's kind of how I structured everything, just thinking about attendees, executives, and where to meet in the middle with everybody's different situations. Yeah. Going into the actual conference itself, what were you most nervous about? I think I was really nervous about the technical portion, just because we did a lot of test runs, but it's nothing like when you have 130, 40 people, you know, added in the executives and adding in um, the BT personnel. There's nothing to prepare you for that many people all on a program at once, kind of relying on you to get everything right. It's also kind of scary when you have this executive, when you can communicate with them as much as possible, but if something doesn't work, if logins are delayed, there's really nothing you can do. and. I was just really nervous that despite all the preparation that something was going to go wrong and I wouldn't be able to do anything because I was thousands of miles away from whoever was having the issue. Every single time we started a program before, like when the screen was loading, I would get butterflies in my stomach because I was so nervous. Yeah, I I remember this was definitely a challenge (laughs) too, but I think the team still pulled it off and it was great. What were you also surprised by? I mean, for me, I know we held, I think, three or four events on that Saturday. I was surprised by how well people were engaging in some of these events. Maybe could you provide an overview of this for our audience on what exactly these events were and how students participated and what you were surprised by? Yeah, so the way we structured it were the lab events were Zoom webinars. It was a moderator like myself or Grace or somebody on the DN team either moderating a conversation with our executive or just letting the executives be there and just managing the Zoom. Um, We had a mixture of different programs like keynotes where it was just singular executive speaking or we had a panel where there were questions and then three to four different executives would weigh in. And we had a workshop where you could either, it was one ideation session and one that was like a hands-on origami folding session. The way that those worked was really just, the students were online and they are able to chat in our Slack channel, send like the like emoji and raise their hand on the Zoom. And it was quite interactive. And I think that's what surprised me was that by the fourth program, after like almost four hours of just straight live programming, that students were still messaging the Slack like, oh, I love this, or asking questions. And the number of participants per live program really didn't change much. I was kind of scared there would be a huge drop off, maybe around like halfway point, like people would just stop coming. But people, you know, were really committed. They were very respectful, really tentative. And then I really felt like everybody took it really seriously, which I appreciated and I know the executives appreciated and that was a really pleasant surprise. Can you talk about also like going into the conference, maybe what you were excited about in contrast to what you were nervous about too? 
Yeah, so I was really excited to have more students, honestly, because when I talk to the executives, when there's only 100 students, they're like, you know, I'm excited to hear from students from my alma mater or excited to hear from students from this background that are similar to mine. And some executives didn't really have a, like a demographic that they were excited to speak with. But whenever we expanded that number, we introduced some more of those demographics and students with those backgrounds. And then everyone became really excited. And I was just really elated about the fact that I could connect with not just 100, but like 125 hear a lot more experiences, touch, you know, or impact more lives in any way I can. And I just was really, really psyched about the expansion of everything. You know, in contrast to what I was nervous for, yeah, I was nervous that there were so many people depending on me, but it was also exciting that there were so many people that I got to do this thing for and provide for. So they kind of went hand in hand with each other. Yeah, it's awesome to hear, especially just given how challenging of an environment it is to operate in. On more of the internal side, how is it managing a team remotely and, you know, speaking with your assistant directors on getting things done during the conference? Yeah, so that was a whole other like beast that we had to conquer. When we started switching our team meetings, we had two students who were international. So one of my ADs, um, our assistant directors, was in Israel, another one was in the UK. And so I had to hold like two different team meetings to accommodate those time differences. And so we never really met as one unified group, which is really difficult because I would try and relay the same information to both teams or record the meetings, but it's hard to know like, did they watch the whole thing? Did I miss something? And so that was really difficult logistically and then during the conference we were on a slack channel trying to message each other and make sure that somebody needs something that we could notify somebody else but what was really difficult about that is that the slack channel be really populated really quickly and so it'd be really easy to miss a message or if somebody was moderating a workshop and i couldn't look at my slack i was afraid something might go wrong and i wouldn't be there to answer it so It's really kind of nerve-wracking relying on a screen for all communication and dealing with all technical difficulties that brought forth, you know, given the circumstance and how little training or practice that we got using those digital interfaces. I think we pulled it off. I'm really proud of my team for how quickly they're able to adapt and, and rise to the occasion. Yeah, for sure. Can you talk a bit about what your biggest takeaways from, you know, this whole thing of organizing Design Nation digitally was? Or it might be more than one, too. What are your biggest takeaways from Design Nation 2020? Yeah, so I think my biggest takeaway is that people are just really resilient. I know a lot of people were really disappointed and upset about it being canceled in person, but nobody let it affect how they viewed the digital conference. Our executives decided to come in and participate during their vacations, during their free time, and people are just extremely resilient. They bounce back, and even with something like COVID, which is so devastating and serious, people showed up the weekend before their finals and their exams. People showed up up in time zones that were, you know, ridiculous to attend our conference. And it really inspired me and taught me that regardless of the different tragedies or, you know, situations that might ensue, people figure it out. And it was really inspiring for me. It made me feel really proud to have done the conference. It really, really like touched me and made me feel a little bit better about what was happening to myself, my personal situation with school and COVID. And so that was an awesome takeaway that I got. Can you talk a bit also about maybe the highlights and lowlights of DN 2020 alongside your takeaways? Yeah, sure. So the highlights for sure were that initial Saturday 
where I was just so nervous the entire day that everything was going to go wrong, but we really had minimal technical difficulties. The execs that participated in the Saturday events like, came back and told us like, wow, that was great. I would love to come back. And that was really awesome. Um, that was such a highlight for me. But the days I think kind of that went afterwards where there was just so much organization with some of our smaller executive seminars, with the recordings, publishing those, a lot of the logistical like tiny nightmares that kind of came up, like the Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday after that Saturday event. That was a bit of a low light for me because it kind of felt like I was on duty 24-7 for five straight days and I was glued to my slack. Even though I say it's a low light, it was honestly like kind of fun being on duty <laughs> for so long. But yeah, I think the Saturday was such a highlight. And then the little logistical issues we had to iron out the days after were a bit of a low light. <laughs> As many students listening to this podcast might be thinking about organizing their own virtual events or figuring out how to transition in person to virtual events, what were the more practical learnings or advice that you would provide on how to lead and organize these events well? Yeah, one, like you really just seem to be so incredibly organized because there are just so many more moving parts with a digital conference, with scheduling, with keeping track of all documentation. With me, I probably made four to five different spreadsheets. I had so many different documents going and just always keeping those up to date so that the people who are relying on those documents didn't have the wrong information. That's my biggest tip is just be organized. And another one is to do your research. It's really easy to think with a digital conference, like, oh, we'll just use like Zoom links and we'll just Google invite people. But there's really a lot that goes in. How many people are going to be on there? Do you, the executives or do the speakers have Zoom? Do the students that you're bringing on have Zoom? Do you need to pay for them to have a membership? Just different things like that. Just really doing your research, making sure that you have all of the different possible places for issues to arise, making sure you have those covered. So yeah, just being prepared in an organizational way and also kind of logistical way, I think is probably the only thing that you can do in a situation like that. And those are the things that I think I did decently well on, but I also think I could have improved on as well. And so that's my biggest tip for sure. To end the conversation, what is your biggest piece of advice for students who are confronted with the situation that we're in right now where everything basically has to be digital? Yeah, my biggest advice is just to look at it as a kind of a once in a lifetime thing. I mean, hopefully, you know, in the future, conferences that are in person will come back and you can think, I really did something that no one else before me has done. And because no one's really done this before me, I have the chance to do whatever I want with this. I can, you know, bring as many people as I want. I can make it as long, as short as I want. I can create so many different types of content. I can bring people who may not have been able to come to the other conferences in person. Just imagine it as kind of like a clean slate, although it's maybe not the slate that you wanted. It is clean and you can really decorate it and embellish it in every single manner that you wish that's you know, appropriate for your organization. I think I don't let the fact that it's not what you previously have known to deter you from making it something amazing. Because at the beginning, when I found out it was going digital, I really had no motivation to continue with DM. But then when I thought about how many more students we could bring, how this programming could 
become digitized and published forever. So people who don't come to the conference can access it. It really gave me the strength to continue and reimagine it and make it as great as I could. And I think just trying to think of the positives is really going to give you that kind of fire inspiration that will allow you to, you know, make a fantastic conference. Don't hold on to what it could have been. Hold on to what it can be. I think it'll be fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Anything you think we missed in our conversation? Just one other thing to add is when it comes to like the team aspect of it, I maybe forgot to mention, um, if you're working on a team with a digital conference, really try and be like your team's personal cheerleader, hype man, because it's really hard working on a team for hours and hours every week digitally, like not really having that bonding time. So I really recommend trying to create a really nice team and work environment, have Zoom dinners, send them gear, or like little gifts, text them reminders that they're doing an amazing job because it's really hard to work for something that's not tangible. So that's a huge thing. When you inspire your team, they inspire you back and that's gonna help the whole process a lot better. That's just something that I wish I had done a bit more and something I really recommend that anybody doing any something digital with a team absolutely do.